Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Today we're continuing our, our question series. Have you enjoyed that? It's been cool. Some of you are like, you haven't answered my question yet. Um, we can't get around to all of them. And what we've tried to do is put them in topical categories, right? So we had a lot of questions about women. What's the Bible say about women and like women in the church and women in ministry and stuff like that? So I'm not answering any of those questions until October because we're doing a a series called You Go Girl. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've ever been as pumped for a series as I am that one. And I got like eight books and the Bible. And I'm just like, I've been studying for like a year. I'm just excited about it. And then uh, we talked about relationships and singleness and what does that look like and, 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 and boundaries and forgiveness. And I hope you forgave that person after you heard Stefan's message that morning. But uh, then last week we talked about prophecy and the prophetic gifts and how some of that stuff can get wonky, but it's the most beautiful gift in the world from the Lord to his church and just speaking his heart. And um, if you have some questions about that, go listen to last week's message. There's some clarity around that. And then today I want to close out our series. One of our overseers will be here next week, Mark Benson from Dothan, Alabama. And uh, they're gonna be, he's going to be preaching next week. But I want to close out this question series today. And I forgot to give the disclaimer before we, we got to where we are right now in service. But today's gender and sexuality. And so um, I'm just going to say this to parents. If you've got kids in here, I actually don't see too many kids in here. But um, maybe you got word of what we were talking about today. But um, I, I'm going to let you parent today, okay? So my kids, we talk about this stuff. I don't know what you do at your house. I'm not going to be like graphic or anything. But I, I'm going to be honest today and talk through, through this stuff. So I just want to give you that disclaimer um, but uh, I think it's important we talk about this stuff. I think a lot, um, a lot of the church, and me probably for many years, I've just avoided this stuff because it's uncomfortable because you, you might not land on agreement when you talk about some of this stuff in the church. But this morning, I just, I feel like the Lord, I've been asking him all week, Lord, help me. And I want to ask him again in a minute, Lord, help <laughs> But I want to communicate this this morning, knowing that everybody's got a past and everybody's got a present struggle. And I, I, the, the last thing I want to do is come at this topic with a super religious spirit. Because a lot of the stuff that we've heard in the church surrounding this, a lot of it's just religion. And so I want to put it in the context of what I believe, how we're supposed to look at this. And so by the end of this message today, if you're in this room or you're watching online, we, we might not agree on everything. But the one thing I want us to agree on is this. I think we can all agree on this. When you talk about gender and sexuality, these are not just issues to be solved. Like everybody wants the answer, right? This was the overwhelming majority of questions, by the way. That and the women in ministry thing. <laughs> Go figure. I don't know. It's not just an issue to be solved. It's just not an issue to be fixed in our culture or whatever, politically and fill in the blank. 
But when we talk about this stuff, we're talking about people. We're talking about people that are made in the image of God. And so when we enter into this conversation and when we walk away from this conversation today, I want that to be ringing in our ears and on our minds and in our hearts of these are people, people made in God's image who are made to be loved and to love. Okay. Just like everybody's sitting in this room. So we're not coming at this situation like, oh, we know what we're talking about. So we're looking down on everybody else that, no, that's not the, that's not the attitude. That's not the tone of this house. And so let's talk about it. You ready? All right. So first of all, there's no possible way I can cover everything that's on my mind and my heart this morning concerning this. Like literally it's just going to be like a little drip in the bucket. And then you're going to have to just run with what God says to you this morning. I encourage you to study this stuff. Um, I, I want to jump off with this question, though. Um, And I think this was word for word one of the questions. What does the Bible really say about gender and sexuality? Because if you get on TikTok and the the TikTok theologians these days, you know, you can pretty much find anything you want that will agree with what you believe. And this is the danger of social. I love social media. I love seeing your dog's pictures. I love all that stuff. I don't love so much that the algorithms put us in our own bubble or we don't even hear from people that don't agree with us unless it's someone saying that they're our enemy and we should be scared of them. I think that the division in our nation, I think a lot lot of it has to do with what, what comes through on these devices and how we're fed information. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm saying... I don't think that's healthy. And I think the most important thing we could do is we can listen to people who don't think like us, believe like us, while still holding firm to convictions. We need to be listening. Because these aren't issues to be solved. These are people that we're talking about. Okay? So what does the Bible really say? God's design for relationships. And the standard, just going back to the beginning... Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, says, So God created human beings in his own image. Let's just pause right there. The person that you have the most problem with in your life that you can't stand, they're made in his image. Every Republican is made in the image of God. Every Democrat, every independent is made in the image of their creator. And you might not agree with everything, but I'm going to tell you what. If you can see to the heart of a person, if you can see God in a person, you can honor anybody. And that's what we do around. We make room for people. We want to we want to have a culture of honor. That's not just congratulating somebody on their birthday or something. You know, that that means looking through all the junk sometimes and see God in them. And so God created human beings in his own image. If you're a human, you are made in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So man and woman 
as a prototype for marriage. And I will say this, I'm not going to dive a whole lot into the gender thing today. I want that verse right there to be the hinge point of what we're talking about. So God defines gender in those verses, and that's not the only place. All throughout Scripture, we just have a general consensus throughout Scripture of what gender looks like, male and female, and what marriage looks like, female and female. And you may not agree with that, but I'm just saying what the Bible says in those contexts. And you say, well, Jesus was silent on some of this stuff. Well, you never make an argument from silence. Logically, that's not good. In debate, that doesn't work. You never make a, an argument from silence. Jesus, what, what we do say in context is that Jesus was a Jew. And Jesus would have espoused to everything that, was, that he was raised in as far as what the scriptures taught. And so Jesus, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill. And here's the deal. Jesus came to give us freedom. He came to give us grace. He came and he paid the penalty that we could not pay on the cross. And this should excite you. I know you've heard this a million times, but your life was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And he doesn't give us grace to just live like we want to anymore. He gives us grace to live like he has called us to live. That's what grace is. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just mercy. It's actually power to do and live the life that he died for us to live. And how many know he didn't just die, he raised from the dead. And the Bible teaches that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Sin ain't got a chance in my life unless I let it. So... God-given identity runs much deeper than sexuality. We've made everything about sex. Why should it surprise us that we're literally defined by it as a culture? Your identity, and I'm talking to those in Christ. I'm talking to people who are Jesus people, people who have given their heart and lives to Jesus, are following him these are the people that I can't do it on my own. I received the free gift. I'm talking to those people, okay? If that's you in there, I'm in here, I'm talking to you. Your identity is bigger, deeper than your, your gender, your sexual identity, your sexual preference, fill in the blank. Your identity is a son and daughter of the living God. You have a father who set his affection on you, who chose you, and has brought you to the table, has brought you into the family. And every identity, whether it's Democrat, Republican, male or female, sexual preference, fill in the blank. Every identity must bow to your one true identity. That's who you are in Christ. It's who you are as a new creation. And so before I go any further, I love, I told Bethany, bring that book this morning because I, I love to, I'm just like the resource guy, you know? Because I know I can't cover everything, I'll tell you two books that I have found to be extremely helpful in these, um, with these topics. The first one is this. It's by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. People to be loved. Why homosexuality is not just an issue. 
This has been the most intelligent, concise, gracious treatment on this topic that I've ever read. What Preston does is he takes this stance of, I, I want to hear stories. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know someone in the LGBTQ plus community personally, and you don't, you've not heard their story, I would encourage you, go find somebody and sit down and talk. Yeah. This book will open your eyes to the struggle that many of these folks have, have faced. And the church has just kind of blown it off or either condemned them without even listening. And I love, love, love this treatment of this topic by Preston Sprinkle. Um, I believe he takes, uh, he takes scholarship from traditional side of things, and then he takes scholarship from LGBTQ community uh, in the church, actually, non-affirming and affirming. And he actually says, okay, here's, here's the differences and compares them to scripture and everything. It's wonderful. That's good. And then there's another book here. He's not paying me for this, by the way. I don't have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> same guy, same author, Preston Sprinkle. It's called Embodied. Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. And I've read, I've read at this one, okay? But I've read this one completely. I've read at this one. If, he, if this is anything like that, this is gold too, okay? He talks about, takes that, just that gracious stance of how should we approach this without all that religious garbage and mindset bringing into the conversation? How can we approach this in love and grace? And so, number two, the, the second question is, so first question is, what does the Bible really say about gender and identity? again, bird's eye view, we're just skimming through, okay? You've got to dig. And I'm gonna tell you, it's more and it's coming but more and more important for you to dig. You can't depend on a guy up here with a mic anymore. And there's enough information out there, you can dig. You can dig. And I encourage you, dig. Find out what you believe, not what your pastor believes. Just get in the word and decide for yourself. Ask the Lord to lead you in this and be open and honest to go whichever way he leads you, okay? So number two is this, the deeper question. And I really do feel like most of these questions and, and, and conversation around these topics, I don't think we're asking the right questions. I don't think we're going deep enough. I think we're asking very surface level questions and so the question that I want to ask and maybe propose to you this morning is this. What does the Bible say about the kingdom and our life in it? What does the Bible say about the kingdom and our life in it? How does living in this kingdom, which is not heaven someday. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom here and now. There is a kingdom and there is a king. And being a Christian... Is not saying a prayer at VBS and hoping you go to heaven one day if you don't do bad things. Being a Christian is you've given your heart and life to Christ. You've accepted this free gift of salvation. And now you are living in a kingdom because you've been transported from one to the other. And now you're living for a king. And in case nobody's told you that lately, if you said a prayer when you were eight years old and you're living like hell, you don't know Jesus. I'm just saying, like, you can't just keep going another direction that doesn't line up with the king. It's like there's, there's the way to live now. There's a way to live and it's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the king. And so part of the problem is I feel like 
we've probably lost sight as a church of what the gospel really is. I love the gospel of salvation. It's what got me in the door. It's the story of what Jesus did for me. But how many of you know the gospel doesn't stop once I say a prayer? The gospel is changing me, making me into the image of Jesus. Romans chapter eight, that is the will of God for me, that I be conformed into his image. So that's gotta look like something. You're right. It's got to look like something or else I become just a religious person saying a bunch of religious stuff. My life doesn't start to show it. It's not real. And so part of the problem is we've lost sight of what the gospel is. The gospel that Jesus preached was the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel that the apostles preached was the gospel of the kingdom. It's bigger than just getting in the door. It's how do I live now that I've gotten in the door? So he gave his life for me. And now I give my life to him. There's something called surrender. And it's not surrendering my own works and my own power. It's grace has been given to me to live a life of surrender. The Bible says the kindness of the Lord brings us to repentance. Don't think of repentance as the guy with the cardboard. Repent! Dude with a sign. Not that guy, but the other people. Um, repentance is changing your mind, which leads to a change of behavior, direction that your life is going in. But it's kindness that leads us there. It's the kindness of the Lord. Maybe you've heard this story, but I, I, the Lord started working in my life when I was about eight years old. And I walked down the aisle, you know, at that thing and got baptized and everything. And then at 14, I, I started to realize, oh, wait, I mean, I, I know there's a Lord working in my life, but for the first time, I see my own sin that Jesus paid for. And so I did it again. How many, how many, how many folks I got that did the same thing, right? Well, I would, I I got in my high school years, and how many know the, um, the allure of things other than Jesus can jump on you, and you will follow your flesh and your desires and all of that? And so I walked away from the Lord for a time, and I was living my own way. I knew what was right. I knew what God had done in my life. I knew what I'd been raised in. I knew all that. I knew what the Bible said, and I started walking another way. And I was miserable. And one day, driving down Airport Road in Elba, Alabama, I was in the 1992 Jeep Cherokee that I wish I still had. Such a cool car. But uh, somehow the God of the universe fit himself into that Jeep. And I encountered God in one of the most powerful moments of my life. And it was just the love of God. Now, I didn't, I didn't work my way up to that moment. I was at my lowest moment. When God met me. And he didn't come with a finger wagging. He came with arms open wide and he just embraced me. I've never, I had never until that moment realized, felt, known the love of God. And you won't till you experience it. 
You know what it did in my life? It made me want to run from everything that wasn't him. And I did. And I had to say some hard no's. But in the context of how good he is, when you see it, it ain't no thing to say no to the world. Once you see his beauty, once you see his goodness. And so my life is not my own. And to be a Christian is to be the subject of a kingdom with a king. There's no such thing as a kingdom without a king. There's no such thing as a life within a kingdom done my own way. No, it's, it's the king's way. And that's the choice we all have to make. Preachers, teachers, accountants. Everybody, every one of us got to make that decision. We got to make that choice. And so what I want to kind of dive into now with the one minute that I have left. No, got a little bit longer. I want to say this because this is where we get mixed up sometimes. Attraction and action aren't the same thing. I was having a conversation with my daughter this week about this. Like I said, we talk about this stuff. I'm married. I'm happily married, right? I love Bethany. She's sitting right back there. My heart beats fast just looking at her. But uh, I'm a happily married man. But I mean, shocker, your pastor knows what pretty women look like. Okay. This is part of humanity. God has put something in us to make us go. Hey, I notice beauty. You know, you do too. Girls, y'all the same way. I might notice something. Attraction is just a thing. But I have a choice to make in that. And so, it's like I was telling Bailey yesterday, like, for me to, girl, let me get your number. That's not okay. Because I've made a covenant with that one sitting back there that I'm never going to break. And so in order for me to follow my desires would mean to break covenant. And that's not happening. I'm going to align myself with who I say I am to her. And so I want us to kind of put it in the context of our, you know, our sexuality in that way. If I'm living in a kingdom with a king... Attraction, and listen, this is what I want you to to hear. And you may be watching online, you may be in this room, and you struggle with that same-sex attraction thing. I want you to know that nobody in here is condemning you. Because you know what that is? It's a thing. It's just a thing. It doesn't mean you're dirty. It doesn't mean you're condemned. It doesn't mean you're broken. It means you're a human being. Now, what you do with it is what matters. And if we're called, if we're called, here's where it comes down to the road. This is why Jesus said, I I came not to bring peace, but a sword. He wasn't a violent guy. He just said, "When 
when you when you look at the line in the sand, like you're either going to be on my king in my kingdom or not. And there are there is a way to live on this side of the this side of the line in the kingdom. And I know it's getting re- weird in here right now. I know it's getting tense, but what I'm saying is this: like we are we going to walk with him or not? I, what I do see in the Bible is I see choose this day who you're going to serve. But I like the golden calf. Like, like, you know, like, can you imagine that conversation happening? Like, it's so pretty, you know, like, no. And I'll tell you the, uh, one of the big, the big issues in our, in our culture is that, you know, you go off to somewhere else and they have idols and they're made out of gold and statues and all this stuff. And you bow down to them. That's, overt like idol worship, right? Like we know what that looks like. But in the West, it's not so plain and it's very subtle what idol worship looks like. And it actually can look like in a church. I mean, you can go to church and worship idols and, and, and not even know it. And what's happened, in our, what's happened in our culture is we've made sex an idol. Sex is the American God. One of them. Greed's the other one. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> and so when, when those idols start to be toppled, you can expect a passionate response. And you may be listening right now and you may be triggered by what I'm saying. And I don't want to do that. If you don't know me, you know I'm a... <laughs> I don't like conflict. <laughs> I don't like it. Enneagram, I'm a number nine. I I don't want to sit right there in the middle. Everybody be happy. Y'all just come together, you know. But I, but I, I may be nine on the Enneagram, but, but I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm his son before I'm that. And so we got to know where we are. We got to, we got to decide where we're going to stand. And standing doesn't mean being a jerk. Standing means this is my life and the life that Jesus is calling me to live. This is my walk. This is my family's walk. This is where we're going. And so this is the next question, and um, this is the fastest. That This is the quick one, okay? I got to say this, though. <laughs> I just got to say this. So when our... When our idols are threatened, this goes for anything, guys. This goes with money especially, like stuff we think we need that we don't need. When the idols start to be taught, when they're rocking, when Jesus starts to rock our idols and Jesus confronts our way of thinking and our way of belief, it is very tempting, and this is what's happening in the church the body of Christ as a whole, I, I see this happening. And I see it happening all over the place. But when, when Jesus starts to threaten the way we believe and think, it's very tempting to just create another Jesus that will go along with what we want. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not trying to get a woo-woo out of you this morning. I'm just, I'm just saying we will construct an image of who we want Jesus to be and let him inform how we live. And that's called idolatry. 
So we can't, we can't go there. Yeah. You, you, you're either following Jesus or you're following something else that may look like Jesus. He may have the robe. He may have the beard and the hair. <laughs> I hope you hear my heart this morning. Like it's, that's the temptation. So Ephesians 5, 3 says this. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Who's Paul talking to there? He's talking to the church. Now we want to take that verse and we want to throw it at the world. But Paul's talking to believers. And he's saying, I need you to start with your own heart before you start wagging the fingers. Jesus even said, before you try to pick a speck out of somebody's eye, you better take that log out of your own. And I think we can apply that to this conversation. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. So this leads us to the next point. Number three, how should we respond? How should we respond in our culture in 2022 to what's going on in our culture? How as believers should we respond? So there's two helpful terms to know. And I've gotten emails from people through our church website and a lot of those contact forms come to my email. I think come to somebody else too, but they come to my email and they'll say, I got one, uh, it's been since we've been in this building. I've got several like this, but one since we've been in this building and it went something like this. Me and my significant other want to come to the dwelling. Is that okay? And until you sit down and hear their story, you know what you're talking about, you know? I, I, I feel like for a person to say, can I, this is literally what they were asking, can I walk in the room with someone that I'm doing life with and not get run out? Like, literally, will you stop me at the door? Why would somebody ask something like that? If it's not happening to them, they've heard all the other horror stories of what's happened in church. So there's two phrases, and this, was, this, was, this guy brought this up in this email. I guess what I'm getting at is, are you affirming or non-affirming? First of all, I don't really like those terms because you can affirm a person's value without affirming their values. You can. You can actually disagree. And it's normal, right? On any topic you want to. Contrary to popular belief, you're not a horrible person if you believe another way about politics or whatever. It's just you have disagreements because we have all, all different perspectives. And so you cannot 
you cannot say you affirm the value of people if you treat them like trash or if you treat them like subhuman. That's not God honoring. That's not what Jesus would do. And so there is this line, there is this very hard line that we walk. That Jesus, it says this in um, John chapter one, verse 14, which I did not give to you, Josiah. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus. And we have seen his glory, glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace, grace. and truth. I love this quote by Chris Hodges. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And that's where we walk. That's where Jesus walked. Preston Sprinkle in this book right here. It's one of my favorite quotes of the book. It says, Jesus was able to preach hard-hitting, biblically saturated, ethically demanding sermons. And yet, sinners and tax collectors were drawn to his presence. It wasn't because their behavior was affirmed. It was because their humanity was. That's who Jesus is. And if we don't look like, smell like, talk like, act like Jesus, we're not representing him very well. How drawn are people outside of church to you? I'm asking myself this question. But yet at the same time, how do we walk the tension of grace and truth? It looks different in every context. It looks different in the life that you're in, in the family that you're in, in the workplace environment that you're in. But is the line we walk grace and truth? I want, I got more notes, but we, I, I got to wrap it up. I want the dwelling to be a place that learns how to walk that line really well. I want us to be known for love. I mean, that's, that's the litmus test Jesus gave for his church. How you know they belong to me? Because they're right all the time. No, that's not what he said. He said they, they love each other. So what if we chose to love no matter what, without fine print? What if we chose to listen before we spoke? What if we chose to build the kingdom and not a political party? What if we chose to walk the way of Jesus and not the way of culture? What if we chose to obey Jesus rather than our desires? And what if instead of confronting people with our view of how right we are, we chose to confront people with the otherworldly love of Jesus Christ? The shocking love of Jesus. How shocking is your life? to people who don't know Jesus. So here's the application and the challenge today. Number one is love. 
just love. Number two is listen. And number three is lead. Lead in the way you live your life. Live a life of holiness, integrity, and let your light shine for Jesus. Church. Let's not be more vocal about other people's sin than we are our own. Let's not try to fix everybody else before we've taken a long, hard look at our own hearts. Do you, do you sense the Father's heart in this today? I hope you do. Because the heart of Jesus is grace and truth. And so I, I really want to just close this today with just an opportunity for all of us. And Lauren, or however you want to do this. Um, because here's what I know. There are areas in every one of our lives that we compromise in. There are struggles in this room that possibly nobody knows about. How does the Lord feel about that? You ask. He loves you. He loves you. And I believe there's a lot of people bound to things in this room that you, want, you just need to be set free today. The Lord wants to do that in your life. Whether it's an addiction, or whether it's a struggle, like I said, nobody knows about. I want this to be a safe place to talk that stuff out. I want it to be a place where people aren't scared that they can be open and honest about what they're feeling on the inside. But I want to be a place that just brushes over what Jesus values either. And so I would, I would just ask you with every head bowed, every eye closed, that church thing we do. <laughs> I want you to just examine your own heart. And this is hard. And it's, it's, hard, it's even harder when we've been walking down a road for a while. We don't realize we're walking down that road anymore. But I, I want you to just invite the Holy Spirit right now to bring out His spotlight and shine it on your heart. In the dark places and the hidden places. And if there's any place in your life that's not submitted and surrendered to King Jesus, now's the opportunity to do that. And you say, well, I can't. I've tried. Well, I think trying is probably the problem. Surrender is where the answer is. So whatever that is in your life, just right now, right where you are, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come and change my life. I need you to come change my heart. I need grace, Lord. Lord, we repent. I just say this on my, on my life and on behalf of this house. We repent where we've tried to pick specks out of people's eyes and not 
let you lovingly remove the log in ours. Lord, would you show us where our logs are? Would you reveal our logs to us? Would you make us a people that are so tender to your spirit, your presence, Lord, that we can't walk any other way but with you? Lord, would you make us bold not to be jerks, but bold to be firm in our witness for you? Would you help us to walk in purity? There's, there's a word that's just bouncing around the church right now of the coming revival, the coming move of God that's coming. It will be a return to holiness and the fear of the Lord in the church. And I, I know that sounds kind of harsh because we haven't heard it in a long time. But the, the whole, this movement of holiness and full surrender to the Lord is coming back to the church. I bless the dwelling church with that right now in the name of Jesus on my own life and everybody that calls this place home. That this holiness, this, this reverence for you and how we live our lives and how we live our lives in front of the world. Lord, would you help us to return to you and help us to be completely surrendered to you and how we live our lives. I bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You guys have a great week. See you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.